Hello. Hello there. Welcome to Ghost welcome. Life. Welcome, 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 welcome. Do you remember that from? Um, let me She's think. the man. Well, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know you were actually going to go for it. <laughs> he goes, yeah, welcome, yeah. welcome, 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 to, welcome Illy- to Illyria. Illyria, right? Yeah, I thought it was Asteria. I think it's Illyria. That, it's Illyria. It's because Illyria, it's um, sure. the same as. Yeah, it's Shakespeare. Yeah. Right. Same as, uh, wow. what's Twelfth Night? Yeah. So welcome to Ghost Light. Welcome. I'm Lena. I'm Chase. And how are you? And I'm good. I'm good. I had a little scare with my microphone and my headphones because I got up. I got, I got it from my desk. The cord knocked off my headphones, which then pulled my microphone, which almost fell off the desk. So then I grabbed the microphone and then the cords slid the glass of water and pulled it oh. towards my computer. <gasps> so scary. And I leave to tell the tale. I recently, I don't think I've talked about this on here. No, but you have not. Like, kind of recently, like in the last couple few months, I yeah. my cat spilled water on my laptop. Yeah, and it was the most tragic thing. Not only your laptop, your brand new laptop. Oh, oh, yeah, right. Key, key part of this is that it's and a also, brand and new. Also, laptop. another key, and also another key is the fact that it happened at the top of quarantine. <sighs> like when we all need our laptops most. Yeah. Like you got this new one because the other one was busted and you had it forever. You got this new one. And you got a cat at the top of quarantine that she just knocked all all that water on your laptop. That was so bad. Oof. That was dark. Dark days, yeah. Oh, my God. I told so many people that story. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you would not believe I got your blessings. so sad. But I got it fixed. Yes. Thank God. And we're back. Um, And we're back. We back, baby. We back. I had McDonald's breakfast this morning. Shut up. Yeah, it was you so also good. have a Starbucks cup. What's going on? No, uh, this is McDonald's cup. Oh, you hear that ice? <laughs> you hear the icy ice? Wait, shut up. What did you get? You know they have cinnamon rolls now. I saw that today. I almost got. I want to try. I want to try them so bad. But I got a sausage McMuffin and mm. a coffee, a coffee, and um, the little hash brown things. Yum, girl! I haven't had I McDonald's, McDonald's since. <laughs> I've had McDonald's breakfast for like it hasn't been that long. I mean, it has not been that long, but it's been at least like five, maybe five, five months. Whoa, that's too long, long for me. Yeah, it's a long time for someone who likes breakfast. Uh, McDonald's breakfast. Uh, yeah, it reminds me of just like something about McDonald's breakfast. I feel like is also very like divisive, divisive, mm-hmm. divisive, divisive. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense of people either like like love it and have a real real attachment to it or they like or they're like kind of disgusted at the idea of it you know what I mean where it's like do you know what I mean do you agree yeah but I agree but I don't agree with those people no I know because we're on one side of the spectrum and like it reminds (laughs) me literally of like Sunday mornings like like waking up you know early as a kid it was early because you had to get there before like 9 a.m or whatever and like we would just me and my siblings and my mom and my dad we would all just like go grab mcdonald's breakfast every once in a while and then we would just like bring it all to my mom and dad's room and just like eat on their Aww. bed and like eat and like oh my god we would feast on mcdonald's breakfast it was so That's good so and their fun. fucking orange juice hits so different when you're drinking out of it like out of their the, their cups and their straws their <laughs> orange juice is everything and the hot cakes oh my yeah, god the last oh yeah oh, oh and my mcdonald's god. coke is the best coke yeah with a little lemon slice with a on little it. lemon Ooh. I don't know how you like it. Do you still it. order it like that? Yeah. Girl, we need to get McDonald's breakfast. Slice? 
Yeah, it sounds like all of college to me. Yeah. I'm like, what do you want? A cock with an online vibe. No, it was incredible. I mean, I also like, yeah, and even like, even like through high school, like, me and my best friend, like Lana, going to Disneyland, like I would be in the, we would like drive through like early morning on the way to Disneyland. We'd drive through McDonald's, get McDonald's breakfast. And I remember like the one time her, like the first time we did it, her mom like let me eat it in the car, which is the only way to eat it. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, or in your parents' bed. Um, and I remember I was like, but there's syrup. And she's like, I trust you, Chase. And <gasps> something big. about that moment, it was, it was big. It was big. It was me eating like these, like my favorite meal with my favorite people on my way to my favorite place. And like, she trusts, she trusted me with that syrup. <laughs> she trusted me with that syrup. She let me have that moment. And it, it is a fond memory. Yeah. McDonald's always reminds me of like traveling, like either road trips yes. or um, like airports. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bitch, McDonald's breakfast at, at an airport, airport for an early yeah. flight. That is the it's moment. The only way to go. So good. Except, yeah. Ooh. Oh, love it. Um, I love McDonald's anytime, not just breakfast. I also am a big fan of literally everything else on the menu. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I really am a stan. I, I really too. am like a stan. It's, it's bad. I'm a huge stan. I like all bad. fast food, though. Like, I really do. Taco Bell. Oh God, yum. See, have you tried Taco Bell's breakfast? That's my question. Ew, because no. what's so funny is, and th- that's it. I didn't that's even know they point. had um, breakfast. That's my point. No, they yeah, they've recently added a, a breakfast menu, and this is this is like sort of like how we feel towards Taco yeah. Bell breakfast <laughs> yeah. is how I think how I imagine people to feel about us with McDonald's breakfast. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Except, ew, like why would you get breakfast there? I don't know. I think if I even now knowing that Taco Bell has breakfast, even if I went at like in, for at breakfast time, I would still get. Like, not like a cheesy gordita crunch. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Anyway, so yeah, McDonald's breakfast. Um, when you come over, Lena's coming over in a couple weeks. I'm very excited. And when you come over, we can get McDonald's breakfast if you oh. want. Because you're like staying the weekend. So it'll be fun. We should get McDonald's for every meal. <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> do you remember where that's from? I, I will not say where that's from. from. Great. Okay. <laughs> I want to say though. Nope. It just we has can to just do say, with we can, um, um, Colin Fer- Firth, not Farrell, Firth, Farrell. Farrell, <laughs> <What> jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Colin. Fer- I'll just say. Farrell. I'll just like, oh my say, god, I could. It has to be Colin Farrell, and I'll just to say not it is Firth. from an episode. No, we love him. It is from an episode of Broad City. That's how I'm contextualizing it. Forever not there. Okay, okay. So okay. I'm not going I'm on the record. I'm not going on the record the and saying. Deal. Not doing that. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Um, I love Colin Farrell too. It sounded like dinner. I didn't, but just to be clear, I honestly, I honestly don't. I honestly don't. I'll go on record and say I don't know how much I like Colin Farrell. Why? You don't. You don't why? I don't know. Is he, he like just, an asshole? He, he seems like one. Yeah, I could. See and that. also, like, I think he's like a little bit overrated. Sorry, I think he's a little overrated. I Bolton think looks I just talent. like love his accent, and I think he's a good actor. Right. <laughs> I don't think he's overrated. People never talk about him, really. Oh, uh, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like in my circles they do. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. So back to back to the haunted theater thing. Yes. That we're supposed okay. to be talking about. So this should we get into it? This history. Let's do it. Do we want to like remind is, everyone like how we're kind of running these, these two episodes? Okay. Great. Great. Love it. Love you. Go. I'm the host. Of this yeah. episode. <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. Excuse, excuse me. me. <laughs> um, is it, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is part two. Last week's episode was part one of Theater Royal Drury Lane. And so this is just a continuation of that episode. And to get into the history. Oh, and this um, 
script was also prepared by Mercedes. Yes. Yes. Like and we're about to get into the history of the third iteration, right? Yeah. So we're going to um, start off with the third iteration of this theater that has a very, like, a lot of history, as you heard last time. So when we last left off, Richard Sheridan was the manager and Drury Lane was pretty hot. It was going good. Mm. Um, Sheridan's comedy of manners plays were popular and things seemed to be going great. Um, However, by 1791, Drury Lane was badly in need of restoration. So it was demolished that year. So they just took it all down. (laughs) (laughs) It really needed some help. So we just took it out. We just decided to start from scratch. The third Drury Lane Theater opened in 1794 and was built much larger than its predecessors due to the growing popularity of the Drury Lane's company, as well as advancements in architecture that allowed for larger buildings to be made safely. Cute. And they're figuring out all that engineering. Love that. Get it, girl. Um, However, this new design proved to be more of a hindrance than anything else. The house was built too large, apparently, which led to problems with the audience not being able to hear anything on stage. (gasps) So it was just like they did not have, yeah, like no forethought. I really, though, I really like, I tip my hat to the four four folks of uh, theater who were building things and and kind of experimenting with how to light a stage and how and what what to use limelight and to not use limelight and to use wooden prop pieces and to not use wooden like all that kind of stuff like they really had to deal with a lot to yeah. kind of get us where we are today true so. and this is like a huge probably one of like the first huge venues mm. you know and so mm-hmm. they had to figure out sound and now it's like a whole pro- you, uh, a whole profession of like designing yep. the acoustics in a in a theater you know like totally so now it's like a whole like thing that people think about but it makes right. sense that they right. wouldn't think about it oh yeah and they didn't have mics, like so. <laughs> right, right. People are just shouting. Can you imagine? That sucks. <laughs> to compensate for the, these issues, the shows became more spectacles than anything else, including one mm. production in which they had an actual flowing river on stage with real water and enough get, to literally girl, row. Get a me boat water on. on stage. I know. Shut up. That is my favorite. Anytime there is water on stage, I'm usually like eating it up. I love it. Yeah. No, I know. I love it. It reminds me of Beyonce. <laughs> she had a performance. <laughs> um, Which she, performance? Where she Which was performance? like, I think it was it was from Lemonade. It was her and Kendrick Lamar, I think. And she, they oh, were bitch. like, yeah, sorry, in the fire, everything. the water, yeah, and they're like in the water. water. Yeah, yeah. yeah that and that good. play. Really There's also a cool play, um, Metamorphoses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's all. Mm-hmm. It takes place in a pool on stage, mm-hmm. or like in water. You know. Okay. Mm-hmm. So pretty cool, but it makes sense that like they had to become spectacles because yeah, they had to give the audience something to look at if they couldn't hear anything. Yeah, you couldn't do like just a like dining room drama. <laughs> Can you imagine? In 1800, a failed assassination attempt took place at Drury Lane. James Ooh. Hadfield fired two shots at King George III, missing by mere inches, which is kind of impressive because he was shooting a pistol from the pit up to the royal box reserved for the king. So that's like a really good shot. So he almost did it. Damn. Damn. But the best part is that Hadfield was arrested and King George was like, okay, anyways, keep going. I want to see how this shit ends. Oh, Oh my God. He was invested. (laughs) Yeah, he just made them keep performing. That's pretty badass. He can't be bothered. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. But I also like makes sense. Like he's been through a lot, probably multiple assassination attempts. Like, he, yeah, now true. he like only a few like you know like not that long ago like 
the American Revolution happened and he's like still warring yeah, with all so, these guys. He's, he's like so unfazed. Doesn't care, he's just yeah. like jaded. <laughs> that is um, funny. <laughs> uh, oh, Jonathan Groff. Yeah. Anytime I think of King George III now, I think of um, Jonathan Groff's like literally same iteration. His, and I just think of him spinning all over the camera <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the recorded version. <sighs> but the theater began to suffer. <gasps> so this. Sorry. <laughs> was, this is a stupid gasp. <laughs> Um, but Sheridan, as the sole owner, bore the brunt of this financial ruin. That sucks, too, because he worked hard to own that theater all the way. He and did. now he finally owns it. I and know. now all this shit's going it's down. so sad. In 1809, another fire burned the theater down. Okay. And apparently, Richard Sheridan has been was seen watching the theater as it burnt down, taking with Aww. it literally any, any financial security he might have had. And the dude was Oof. drinking some wine as it burned down. When asked when he was... <laughs> what he was doing Sheridan said a man may surely be allowed to take a glass of wine by his own fireside (gasps) (laughs) okay there's so much to unpack in that (laughs) like first of all I'm picturing the entire thing is that meme of the little girl looking behind at the camera of the house burning okay (laughs) second of all the the fact that he had like this is just like he He's so grounded in his his unfortunate reality and his self-soothing with that wine. It's just inspirational. And it is his fire because he owns the building. Yeah, it's very like Nero fiddled as Rome burned. What? Except different. Nero. What's Nero fiddled? Emperor Nero. Oh, I thought you said I thought you said Nero fiddled. Like that was like one thing. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like very, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sheridan was able to convince his rich friend, Samuel Whitbread. (laughs) This, I was saying white bread and then had to look it up. (laughs) Um, Whitbread sent Sheridan some money and invested in the building of a new theater and a committee to oversee the new company when it was finished. With that, Sheridan left Drury Lane completely. He's like, I got to fucking get out of here. He's like, I'm going to get that back on his feet and dip. <laughs> well, I would too, honestly. I mean, that place sounds like it just had like so many issues. It sounds like so much more pain than it was worth. So once I made my money, I'd be like, I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. Especially especially just given how many like theater fires happened. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's like, I feel like even if I built it again, I'm like, oh, it's just going to catch fire again. Yeah. So I might as well just bounce. But like literally everything caught fire back the whole city's caught fire like we have yeah. talked about like yeah oh just yeah from like random thing you know like a lantern fell over and like right all of london caught fire so this takes us to the fourth iteration of the theater <laughs> <laughs> the current drury lane theater that still operates in london today was first opened in 1812 this new so the same so the same one that's there today was is that old is the fourth iteration yes is that old yeah mm-hmm. and that's cool been there it's really cool yeah it's so cool that you've been this new theater improved upon the last one allotting less seats in order to enhance the intimacy of the productions however there continued to be some spectacle feats in scenic elements as one 1823 production of a show entitled cataract of the ganges which whoa (laughs) um featured actual fire raging all around the stage which seems, this is from Mercedes, seems, a little seems to me like a pretty piss poor idea for a theater that yeah. burned down twice. <laughs> That's yeah, just and me. like the like 1800s are like, uh, you would make this show great fire. I, yeah, like I don't understand how people didn't even get this. Everything was I burning don't know down. Either. Don't start yeah. a fire in the theater. Like, yeah. 
For the majority of its early years, this new theater was continually changing hands in terms of management. Near the end of the 19th century, Drury Lane was headed towards financial ruin. This is just keeps happening. My God, cyclical. I know. As many... um. So it was heading towards financial ruin because many of the productions were operating at a significant loss, and too many new theaters were beginning to offer better theater to the masses. Yeesh. However, in 1879, the theater fell into the hands of Augustus Harris, who put great focus on the Christmas time pantomimes. <laughs> okay, this. Do <laughs> you know what I thought of immediately when you said that? What? How like every every regional theater does um, Christmas Carol every yeah. year mm-hmm. and it, and it's how a lot of theaters like make bank, make bank and make yeah. a lot of their money and they like rely on that production to make the money sounds very similar it sounds like uh, uh augustus is maybe one of the first people to tap into that yeah it's true sort of like money making because it because i think it it um it lets people like form traditions like exactly, audience members exactly. go every year you know and mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean san diego, the old globe in san diego it was like the old globe uh, it was the Grinch. It was it's the Grinch. The Grinch. Stole, how the mm-hmm. Grinch stole Christmas, and I went every single year, and it's like my favorite thing in the world. So I wish people yeah. would do like non-Christmas holiday things too. But yeah, that's true. I also wish that there were more sort of like regular programming things. Like that's so fun. What I think CTC should do is a Halloween thing every that happens year. every year. Because one of the things I wanted to do this Halloween that obviously the the uh, what's it called? Oh, the pandemic. The pandemic hit. Um, I, one of the things that I wanted to do was like have some sort of like scary stories to tell in the dark reading by candlelight type of thing or like, um, maybe not candle, maybe, but whatever. The point is, is like, I want to do something like that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) As we're talking about all that. But I thought it'd be really, I think it'd be really fun to have like a Halloween tradition that, cause people, I mean, love Halloween and especially theater people and people who like theater. It's like, so I think it'd be really fun to like kind of come up with like, um, yeah, a Halloween tradition. Yeah, that is fun. Yeah, because Halloween is another holiday that people have traditions around. Yeah, a lot exactly. Of holidays, and you know, and one that's like, like and one that's like not steeped in religion. Religion. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Augustus Harris. Um, so he was doing these Christmas time pantomimes, and I just love that <laughs> Christmas time pantomimes. pantomimes. <laughs> um, and these pantomimes were great and became so popular that they would often run all the way into March. Shut up. Know, that's iconic. That, I know, right? That's super cool. Yeah. Featured in these pantomimes was comedian and pantomime dame Dan Leno. And do you know what a pantomime dame is? Mm-mm. Basically, it's like the big be- well, it's a character, a female character played by a man in British pantomime. So like one of those like roles that So it's like a breeches role but reverse. Is always, yeah. Like mm-hmm. a drag queen. Yeah. So it's like the <clears throat> kind of like be- it's funny because um this is like because they wouldn't let women play or act on stage, but right. in an effort to not let women perform, they like created drag, <laughs> which is like funny because right. it's like they're trying right. to be so like conservative when and then. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And stage beauty, stage beauty kind of addresses that. And it also like addresses like sort of like, I don't know. It's so fun. It's so mm-hmm. fun learning about like breaches roles and like what you just mentioned, because it really does like even like drag in general, like the first time I was like I went into drag, I was like. It rocks your world a little bit. You know what I mean? Like if you like really kind of get into it for a second, the first time you do it, it it's very um, disarming and you kind of mm. like just think a little bit and you you think a little bit differently. So anyway, the point is stage beauty kind of addresses sort of like sort of the some of the confusion that can kind of happen around like drag in a good way, like the, the healthy confusion and like the fun, the uh, the fun sort of gender play and um, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, mm-hmm. 
random rant, but that's cool. Um, well, in every every theatrical tradition around the world since like the beginning of time involved has involved a lot of maybe not since the beginning of time but like has involved drag in some way you know there's oh, like a sure. lot of for theater sure. traditions that that do yeah for theatrical for like artistic purposes or for like sexist purposes sexist and not purposes. letting women on stage yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly exactly okay so oh and but jay Le- jay leno oh my god dan oh my leno god. Dan Leno, who is the um, who is this actor that was a pantomime dame, which is so fun to that title. Um, yeah. He also incorporated clog dancing into his pantomime acts, so he sounds Queen. like a great time. Um, and he also uh, practiced in the dressing rooms, which becomes okay. I feel like that's going to be important. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the theater was renovated once more in 1922. However, these were mostly interior uh, interior renovations, and the building remained intact. Okay. In 1939, the theater was closed due to World War II, during which time it served as a headquarters for the Entertainment's National Service Association and sustained Whoa. some minor bomb damage, um, which is like so fun because do, do you know what that this is? The National Service Association? No. They like produced and planned all of the shows for the troops. Like, in, you know, those like famous shows where like oh, Marilyn Monroe would perform or whatever. Yeah, like, so that's really interesting. The British... Um, <clears throat> So that's where they like would like that's where the committee would like hang out and plan those performances. Mm -hmm. The theater was reopened in 1946 following the end of the war. Finally, in 2000, Andrew Lloyd Webber purchased Drury Lane. Did you know this? He owns it. Yeah, it has been owned and managed by LW Theaters, which is his management company since 2014. I didn't know that. Oh my gosh, that's interesting. That's he and he he did that in 2004. um, Andrew Lloyd Webber bought it in 2000, 2000 and it's been, and then it like became part of his management company in 2014, but he's cool. had it. Yeah. He's had it since 2000. That's awesome. I know. Right. And okay. So there's there, I've seen pictures of the, uh, the theater now and it's huge. Like it really is like just a giant. Oh, it's a massive, venue. it's massive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. You've been there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Except the seats are so close together, which is just funny. I just say it. That's it a, they are so close. That's Wait, a what? thing in London, I think. Oh, theater. it really is. Or maybe it's it just really non-American is. theater. It's like it's, no, but there's some Broadway houses though that are really, really close maybe. too. But not all of them. But like I've been in theaters in New York that are that are oh my god, oh my god, I can't even like extend my legs in yeah, the slightest. Yeah. But London, I think more so. I, I I will say most of the plays I've seen in London are a little bit tighter. But it's just so funny with like such a big building, it, the seats are so freaking close together. I just That's remember funny. seeing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory like scrunched between yeah. the rows. Ugh. And the Mercedes writes, wow, is this place historic? I felt all 350 of those years researching this place. There is so much I just couldn't cover and we don't have time. But she is historic. Yeah, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And thank you again, Mercedes. I know it's like kind of like a, a doozy of a of a theater to cover, but yeah, really. you did a good job. Yeah. You did a good job. I mean, of just kind of like hitting the important things about, you know, the 350 plus years Oof, of history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. So that's the end of our history section for part two. And now let's get into the hauntings. Let's do it. So again, we're going to be looking into just two very prominent and interesting ghosts this time, just like last episode. The first one is Charles Macklin. And he has been seen several times over the years at Drury Lane. And he is an Irish actor who um, worked at Drury Lane quite a bit in the late 18th century. 
However, there's one incident that seems to be tethering him to the theater. Mm. During a production of a new farce, Trick for Treat. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> Which is so fun. Trick for Treat. Macklin began feuding with a fellow actor, Thomas Hallam. Apparently, the two were literally just fighting over a wig. Not even. It wasn't even a big deal. <laughs> and then the girls Macklin, are fighting. What? The girls are yeah. fighting. <laughs> yeah. um, Macklin had some serious anger issues, apparently. And while he was backstage in the scene room of Drury Lane in front of many witnesses, Macklin reportedly shouted, God damn you for a black guard for a blackguard scrub rascal. There you go. Again? Want to hear that again? God damn you for a blackguard <laughs> scrub rascal. You want to hear it again? <laughs> we should commit that to memory. It sounds like uh, it sounds like some choice words yeah. <laughs> for a for a foe. So he shouted that. Then he thrust his cane at Thomas Hallam's face. The blow ended up connecting, and the tip of the cane punctured Thomas's eye. After the sudden ew, fit of ew, temper, ew, ew, that get was ready. so gross. Continue. You're not be happy. After oh. the sudden fit of temper, Macklin was sorry and tried to get a doctor for Hallam. Unfortunately, the cane had pierced through Hallam's eye into his brain, and he died one yeah. day later. Macklin was tried for <sighs> murder and decided to represent himself at the trial, which kind of uh, worked because while he wasn't acquitted, his sentence went down fr- um, to manslaughter. Uh, what a fucking had, story. Uh, that is ho- so... Horrific. So horrific that is such a wicked gross little story and the fact that he was just like girl it's so sad that is too, some like, temper that is some temper to like have to, to like fucking do that and then to be like uh, i'm sorry i didn't mean it and then like run over and like look at it and it's like i don't know that's gross i don't like this guy i know i, I won't be using his insult also, i don't like him huh i don't like him i'm not using his insult <laughs> yeah I'm not going to quote him. I don't like him. He's an asshole. He's literally just an asshole. Well, he, I also like, I feel like everyone who represents them, not everyone, but um, if you represent yourself in court, like how arrogant. How cool do you think you are? Yeah, no, for sure. It's like Like, this dude is like, you and Ted Bundy. I'll just do it myself. (laughs) Did Kat Bundy do that? Not Kat Bundy. (laughs) Wait, what did you say? Ted Bundy. The Zoom glitched, and so it literally sounded like you said Kat Von D. Kat Von D represented herself. (laughs) Oh my god, that is really funny. Okay, so Ted Bundy. Yeah. Anyway, okay, let's move on. (laughs) That is so funny. So, since Macklin's death, his ghost has been seen wandering backstage close to the area where he had killed Hallam. I personally, this is Mercedes. Personally, she doesn't think this is fair and thinks that maybe Thomas should get to be the ghost. But then maybe if being a ghost were real, it sucks. And this is like his eternal punishment. I don't know. So the asshole is haunting the theater. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. No, honestly, the way I look at it is like ghosts for the most part want to move on yes, and cannot I agree. move on. So it's not so it's good one of those to be a ghost. No, I, th- I think it's essentially I think it's like a form of purgatory for the most I agree. part. So it, it it's uh. I mean, if we want to go like with purgatory, if purgatory even exists, I don't know. But the point is, I just think in, in if a, anything, a ghost is way purgatory. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't believe in any of it. So anyway, but the point is, I just think at the end of the day, a ghost is like is indeed a restless spirit. And it makes sense that this asshole who cannot control his temper and killed someone and then represented himself in court like Ted Bundy or Kate <laughs> Kat Bundy um, 
has to, you know, is restless and he's, he's haunting the halls. Baby B. Baby. So that's Charles Macklin. He's a doozy. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, I would say so. Next, Dan Leno, our favorite, our favorite Leno. <laughs> and if this is you the go- pantomime like drag queen. Yes, character, this is right? the pantomime yeah. actor. Pantomime. What are they? What's their name? Pantomime. Pantomime. pantomime Dame. Dame. Very British. Uh, very British. Um. So he is another ghost that people uh, think is haunting Drury Lane. Oh, and he's famous for his for his pantomime roles, as we said, but also for in general for just being like a funny and mischievous guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and in his early 30s, Leno's mental health began rep- r- rapidly deteriorating. Leno mm-hmm. tragically passed away at the age of only 43. One of the signs of his mental deterioration early on was a loss of control over his bladder. So mm-hmm. Leno would cover the resultant smell with strong lavender perfume. Hmm. And people who work in the theater or visit it often smell this strong lavender scent. And it's attributed to Leno's continued presence. And Rosetta says, since since you love a phantom scent discussion. <laughs> Here oh, my you go. God. oh, my God. Um, that is really funny. Yeah, no, I'm all about it. And I think it's really cool that people smell lavender. That's kind of all I got to say about mm-hmm. it. I would I would I would be very excited if I smelled that. Agreed. Staff have also heard loud banging noises coming from a dressing room thought to have once been Leno's. This is thought to be the sound of him rehearsing his clog dancing routine. Oh, so cute. Uh, little clogs. In 1981, during a performance of The Pirates of Penzance, classic. Nice. Nick Bromley, the company manager, was standing in the wings one night watching the performance when suddenly he was pushed violently from watching uh, from behind. He spun around, but found that there was nobody there. The next night, an actress was standing in exactly the same spot when somebody tugged on her wig from behind. She, too, found no one behind her. And then Mercedes writes, Now, you may be thinking, hey, wouldn't that be Grimaldi, who is um, a ghost from last episode? Mm -hmm. But remember, his ghost was there to help people do better. And it feels like these instances are more pranks. So they've been attributed to Leno's afterlife comedy instead. It's interesting how they like, I mean, again, I I mean, I take anyone's word for it who like works there and like lives in that space. But it is, it's always, it's fun to like, kind of like think about how humans can decipher activity and like attribute it to different spirits, like in like, yeah. Kind of differentiate personality. Each have, kind yeah, of a like a personality. Oh, tr- so yeah. true. Yeah. I know. It's interesting. And then if you work there for a long time, you like get to know each different. Yeah. You're like, oh, no, that's for sure yeah. a um, Grimaldi moment. Yeah. Ooh, maybe they work together sometimes. Yeah. I wonder if they do. That's cute. <laughs> I wonder if he, I wonder if he, I wonder if they practice like, well, I mean, they're both pantomime people, actually. Yeah. Grimaldi and, and what's this person's name? The dame? Matt. Macklemore. Oh, oh no, Macklin was the bad guy. Um, Dan Leno. Oh yeah, yeah, Dan Leno and, and Grimaldi, the little pantomime partners. Pantomime buds. Pantomime pals. Pantomime pals. Anyway, that is the two ghosts for this theater, or for this gotcha. section. Um, so they're fun. Yeah, they're fun. I, I guess there's probably more too. I would assume, but like oh, yeah. those are like four super sh- like very very clear like that's i think my favorite thing about like if i was like pick my favorite haunted theaters it's the one with like super super clear characters with super super clear stories and like this one has like four super clear ones that like span the entire length of like the theater's existence which is just super fun and and those are really cool stories Mm -hmm. and that correlate with like actual people like 
yes. that lived, you know, yes. like obviously like every ghost I guess does, but like we don't always know, you know, sometimes right. it's just like totally. there's a presence and you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. So yeah, work. That's very cool. Yeah. Yay. Um, okay. So going on to the bonus content, this one's called Ghostly Gab. And I'm excited. I'm excited. I have no idea. What is it? I'm excited. Yeah. So, well, first of all, just so everyone knows and has fair warning, the following um, bonus content mentions suicide and child abuse. So please feel free to skip the bonus content for this episode if these are topics that are uncomfortable or which will trigger you in any way. So this week's ghostly gab is going to be a little different. Rather than a specific cryptid or theater superstition, we Mm -hmm. are... I'm going to go back to basics in case some listeners aren't hip to some of the spooky lingo that may be used as shorthand to describe certain archetypes in famous hauntings and haunted places. So we're going to talk about um, the woman in white and the history of her. Oh, so we're like kind of like unpacking like 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 ghost archetypes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very cool. It's a very fun idea. It's mm-hmm. awesome. I know. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Um, so a woman in white is said to be a ghost, almost always a female specter that usually haunts or targets men, sometimes supposedly luring them to their death. Now, her story has some changes from country to country, but what makes the woman in white so interesting is that she is a ghost story that is found in many cultures around the world. Everywhere seems to have a location haunted by a woman in white spirit with the Mm -hmm. stereotypical backstory, which is... Almost every woman in white story involves some variation of a woman whose husband has cheated on her. Sometimes mm-hmm. like in the Pittsburgh Playhouse um, episode that we talked about, one that woman seeks revenge and kills her husband before tragically taking her own life. Other times, and this is much more twisted and morbid, the woman in white seeks revenge and first kills her children before taking her own life. It's said that the woman in white off. Finn sticks around after death as a sign of caution for other women to not end up like her or potentially to lure other cheating partners to their doom. Um, okay. A lot of this sounds very sexist. No, it yeah. just sounds like sexist. A lot of it is like, well, okay. So then, then Mercedes writes, I personally think this archetype has been fascinating humanity since ancient times. It's for sure tragic, but also potentially a reflection of the mistreatment of women throughout history and displays a time when women's only resource against men was to harm herself. Very sad stuff. And also like, I don't know. Yeah, it's true. Like it has been throughout, like this is very like sirens, you know, like. Yeah, but, but, but even sirens are like, have more, more like yeah, autonomy agency. yeah yeah sure. exactly no. agency that's a good way to put it mm-hmm. yeah because it's like it's like i know plenty of women that would kill i mean whoa i should really think about my phrasing here but like i can i, I prefer the stories of women like of like character of like women characters killing their partners and then living to tell the tale you know it's like taking yeah, their own right. life afterward takes away the, all their agency and then like also like even like the story of like uh, Slaughterhouse Canyon of like the mom killing her kids like she she killed her kids because she was like sparing their lives because they had no food and the kids were starving mm-hmm, to death mm-hmm. so like she wasn't doing it because she like wanted to kill her kids right, you know right. what I mean so well and like this is know, very yeah. like Medea too Medea, I know she's not she doesn't yes. end up being a ghost necessarily but and she's like, not like a lady in white but right yeah. but it's the same story yeah and it's just like yeah it's it yeah it is interesting because it's and also it's also I feel like a character like type that like in in scary movies today is is slowly getting reclaimed as like the woman in white you know what i mean like i feel like that sort of archetype is getting more agency like in media Mm -hmm. which is cool Mm -hmm. but yeah it's interesting 
Yeah, it's very yeah, it's very like passive almost. Yeah. When it, in just the 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 stereotypical like version of the story. Yeah. Or like victimy, I guess more. Oh, for sure. So yeah, that's Lady in White. Back cool. back story. That's cool. Yeah, it is. It's really cool to sort of like dissect the various sort of like uh, archetypes. Mm-hmm. And I keep saying that word, mm-hmm. but it, it is what it is. And I I think it it would be fun to do more of those in the future. It's a really fun idea just to sort of like talk about the history of them and like because you know we we always get the same sort of like ghosts. You get the Lady in White. You get you get like a, you get a little girl ghost like that's like a classic mm-hmm. a little girl ghost mm-hmm. is super classic you get really violent men too i feel like you mm-hmm. get very like violent men involved like i mean i'm just like thinking of like all the different like spirit archetypes there are right so it's kind of cool yeah that's cool and they and that they go and they span like across the world like every yeah, culture exactly like other cultures yeah 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 totally. these archetypes so that covers everything for theater royal drury lane Parts one and two complete. In the bag. In the bag. Uh, thanks so much fun. for listening. It's been really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So thank fun. you. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and feel free to check out other CTC podcasts as well. And if you would like to further support our podcast, please rate us and leave a review on whichever listening platform you use. Also, we finally have a merch shop set up. And should you find yourself wanting any ghost light clothing, totes, stickers, or pins, Check out our Instagram bio for the link to our shop. I'm so excited about this shop. Oh, I literally, I, (laughs) we wanted to do like some quality control before we like published the shop. So I actually bought, I have a ghost light pillow. I have a ghost light (laughs) tote bag. I have a ghost light mask. I have a ghost light sweatshirt and t-shirt. So I am like stocked. I'm fully stocked. Uh, yeah. So anyways, be sure to also follow us on Instagram at GhostLightCTC if you don't already. And should you have any spooky stories you would like to share with us, whether or not they're related to theater, it doesn't matter. Just feel free to send those our way to GhostLightCTC at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Thank you. And don't forget to leave the light on. Bye.